I want to talk to you today about how to find hope, even when it doesn't look good. Happy Easter! Jesus is alive! There is a God! Death is defeated! This life is not the end! There is hope beyond the grave! And there's hope for your life now. You're not on your own. You are loved. Your life has a purpose. But how do we know it's true? How do we know that you really can have hope? We're living in a global pandemic. There's so much sickness and sadness. Hopes have been dashed. There's so much mental health issues. We're surrounded by issues of suffering, injustice and violence. The crucifixion of Jesus was an appalling act of suffering, shocking injustice and terrifying violence. Near the cross of Jesus, we're told, stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Their dreams were shattered. Their hopes had gone. They must have been traumatised. It really did not look good. Pippa and I have been involved in helping in a small group on Alpha this term. This is our 92nd small group in a row. Every course, normally there's an Alpha weekend in the days when we were allowed to go away for the weekend. All those weekends have been wonderful. But there was one where things didn't go well. And it was the one that was being filmed for ITV. So David Frost hosted a series of one-hour programs, 10 one-hour programs called Alpha Will it change their lives? They filmed a small group hosted by Paul Cowley. They filmed the Alpha Weekend in a place called Kidderminster. It was a summer term and it was one of those very rare British heat waves. We were meeting in this wooden structure that became like a sauna. And it was the semi-finals of the World Cup. England were playing Germany. It was so hard to get anybody's attention. Several people in the group that were being filmed seemed to have a really negative reaction. And they were being interviewed about it, and it was all going to appear on national television. At the end of the weekend, I was so worried. I thought that might be the end of Alpha. I couldn't sleep. I got up, I went to my study and started doing some random filing. After a couple of hours, it was probably about three o'clock in the morning, my wife Pippa appeared in the doorway and she just said, it didn't look good at the crucifixion. It was a brilliant remark. We quote it so often in our house when things are not looking good in our lives. She was, of course, completely right. And by the following Wednesday, things had turned right round. Maybe it doesn't look good in your life right now. Maybe your health, job, finances, relationship, or lack of relationship. How do you find hope? when it doesn't look good. Your hope is based on facts. It's based on events that actually happened. As we've seen, Mary Magdalene was the last at the cross. She was also the first at the tomb. Mary Magdalene came from Magdala, a fishing village by the Sea of Galilee. She traveled with Jesus as one of his followers. She appears to have been a wealthy woman who'd helped to support Jesus. And we're also told 
that Jesus had cast seven demons from her. So she clearly had a past. She's mentioned by name 12 times in the Gospels, more than most of the apostles. She stayed with Jesus to the very end. Women were the last at the cross and the first to witness the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is really the founder of true women's liberation. He treated men and women as equals. So Mary was the last at the cross on the first Good Friday, and she was the first at the tomb on the first Easter day. I love the account in John chapter 20 of her arrival at the tomb. Bear in mind that this is written by John, who calls himself the one Jesus loved. So not much modesty there. I'm the one Jesus loved. He writes, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, that's me, in other words, John, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples, that's me, John, started for the tomb. Both were running. And this is what I love. Rather than just telling the account of the resurrection, John is very keen that we should all know who ran faster between him and Peter. He writes, both were running, but the other disciple, me, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He's so keen that we should know that he was faster than Peter. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there. He didn't go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, he's keen to point out again, Simon Peter was slower than him, arrived and Peter went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth had been folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciples who'd reached the tomb first also went inside again. The third time he wants to make the point, he arrived first. It's so human. You couldn't make this up. He saw and believed. The grave clothes had simply collapsed like a caterpillar's cocoon when the butterfly has emerged and the headpiece had been folded up by itself and put in a separate place from the linen. They saw and believed. They then went back to their homes, but Mary stayed at the tomb crying. There's something indefinably first-hand about the account of Jesus' appearance to Mary. There's nothing quite like it in all of ancient literature. In the culture of the day, a woman's testimony would not have been considered as weighty as that of a man. If the disciples had been making this up, they would not have devised the first appearance as being to Mary Magdalene. Jesus didn't make a triumphant appearance to signify his victory. He appears to Mary, the loved one, the forgiven one, alone in a garden with gentle love. She turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realise it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you put him and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. It was so loving, so intimate. He called her by name. 
just as he calls you today. Hear him calling your name. El Ruth, Theon, Georgia, Bex, Ezra. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. She didn't recognize him until she did. The appearances of Jesus are like nothing else in ancient literature. It's not a ghost or dazzling apparition. Jesus could be touched and could even eat fish. Nor was it a revived normal human body like Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, but was immediately recognized. Perhaps the best word to describe it would be like transphysical. Jesus looked transformed. But once they recognized him, they knew it was Jesus. He was wholly the same, yet wholly different. Not that long ago, I went to a school reunion. We hadn't met for about 30 years. We had to meet on a bus to go to the venue where we were going to have dinner. The bus started at Victoria Station. When I got on the bus, I thought I got on the wrong bus. As I looked around, I didn't recognize anyone. No one spoke to me. Finally, I started talking to one man. He told me his name. I suddenly recognized him. It was just that he looked so different. Gradually, as I spoke to each person on the bus, I recognized them all and they recognized me. We were the same people, but we looked totally different. Now imagine it was the other way around, that we'd only known the older version and suddenly we saw the younger version. Mary saw the glorified Jesus, his heavenly body, and she recognized him. She was the first witness to the resurrection. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. She said, I've seen the Lord. She became known as the apostle to the apostles. It really is true. The historical evidence shows that the tomb was absent of Jesus' body and that Jesus was seen not only by Mary, but on numerous occasions. They spent the rest of their lives telling people the good news of the resurrection. Your hope is based on historical events. It really is true. And so your long-term hope is totally secure. Because they'd seen the risen Jesus, all the disciples, all the Christians immediately believed in the resurrection. It was central to their faith. They believed that their own resurrected body would be physical, like Jesus, with a new range of properties and powers. You too will have a trans-physical body like Jesus. Paul explains this in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15. He says there are also heavenly bodies. That's what you're going to have, a heavenly body, just as there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies that you're going to have is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies that we have right now is another. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown we have right now is perishable, we're going to die, but it will be raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. 
It's sown in weakness. Right now we're weak, but it'd be raised in power. It's sown a natural body, but you're going to be raised a spiritual body. Your natural body is like Adam, a human being. Your spiritual body is going to be like Jesus. You're going to look totally different. You'll look at your very best, even better than that, and you will be recognizable, even though totally transformed. Your future hope is totally secure. You have nothing to fear. And this hope starts right now. The spirit of the risen Jesus comes to live within us. He's with us always. Jesus doesn't ask Mary Magdalene what she's looking for. He asks her, who is it that you're looking for? He explains to her that she mustn't try to hold on to him. He says, no, don't cling to me. A whole new world has begun. A new relationship with Mary that wasn't going to be like the old one. Something had altered decisively. Something amazing had been achieved by Jesus on the cross and through the resurrection. Jesus says to her, I'm now ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. She'd been welcomed into a whole new world where she would know God the way Jesus knew God, as an intimate child of the Father. This is the relationship that you can now have through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. Mary must now begin a new, more internal relationship with the risen Jesus. He in her and she in him, the spirit of Jesus has now come to live within each one of us. We live by faith, not by sight. It's not enough to know the facts of the resurrection. We can all have a personal encounter with the resurrected Jesus. I first experienced that. I've been an atheist before. I experienced that in February 1974 at the age of 18. As I read the New Testament, as I read about Jesus, it was as if the person I was reading about emerged from the pages and I encountered him. I mean, I always feel his presence as strongly as I did at that moment, but I know that he is with me. He's with you the moment you put your faith in him. I know that the spirit of Jesus now lives within me and that I can have the same intimate relationship with the father that Jesus had. We are much loved children of God. So however bad things look now, things don't look good, you can have hope because Jesus really was raised from the dead. The tomb really was missing his body. That first Easter morning, Jesus' followers really did meet him alive again. The resurrection did happen. And that means Jesus is alive today, right now. And one day, you too will be transformed into the likeness of Jesus for eternity. And right now, you can know this intimate, personal, 
loving relationship with the living God because the risen Jesus has come to live within you by his Spirit. Maybe right now you say that's something I would love to experience and I want to pray a prayer which you can pray and you can know that this Easter day for sure you have that hope that will go on into all eternity and one day you will be transformed like Jesus. And that begins right now. The transformation begins right now. So if you'd like to pray this prayer, here's a prayer which you can pray. Jesus is alive. You can speak to him. Just say to him, thank you, Jesus, that you have been raised to life, that you're here right now. And I want to have this intimate relationship with God through you. I want to turn away from anything that's been wrong in my life. And I thank you that you died on the cross so I could be forgiven. And now I put my trust in you. And I invite you to come and live within me by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or in a way that's significant to you, I really want to encourage you to do two things. First of all, I want to encourage you to read this little booklet, Why Easter, which has a prayer very similar to the one I prayed. You can get a physical copy of this or you can download it from the website. And the other thing I'd love to encourage you to do, if you've never done it before, to come and join us on Alpha, which starts right after Easter, Wednesday morning or Wednesday evening. We'd love to see you there. Have a very happy Easter.